India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone welcome to another India Charts podcast recording for the 25th of June 2020 this is Rohit Srivastava here Nifty's hit the key hurdle that everybody's been watching out for waiting for 10550 61% retracement of the entire fall from the jan high remember that in april initially i was looking for a level which was a 50% retracement of the fall from the feb high now the jan and feb high are basically two lower highs you can take a retracement from each one based on what you are really looking for so that was the first level i was watching for and got hit ex- exactly on expiry day or the last day of the month uh, for trade in april and then we pulled back from there for a couple of you know one or two weeks almost and then started up again so i have been essentially from there on because uh, the market did start extending looking for you know higher highs all along and uh, the next big hurdle i was watching out for was 10550 so we are seeing some reaction there but the real question is are we really going to halt there i don't think the last two days correction really tells us enough to say that you know the top is in and this is going to crash from here because that's the question i'm immediately starting to get now, some people also asking me why i'm not changing my wave counts to consider it as an immediate crash i think if it starts falling further than what it has today uh, that would be the first sign of risk that something has started on the way down at least in the short term it would be hard to say that if a, if you get a correction of a few more hundred points that it becomes a larger degree pullback though i would still like i said even for a short term pullback i wanted to continue to break maybe below the lows or below 10 sustain below 10200 is uh, the first thing you would want to see that happen otherwise if you look at the broad market throughout this period has shown more strength than it did probably in feb because in jan and feb many stocks had slowly started to roll over and then they accelerated once the pace picked up in fact from a front footed action oriented view that i was taking always on the bear side throughout you know the last couple of years i would say uh, every time uh, you know being ahead of each top uh, i slowly moved out to you know looking at bottoms rather than tops and being a little back foot on the uh, highs and the reason for that is that while the economic winter is not really over uh, and i think i wrote a very long note on this this week uh, as an economic winter update after a long time so that i can highlight the key reasons Uh, that i'm thinking so and there are three major shifts in the narrative uh, that i've actually highlighted the note is called the big bang theory and i've talked of three regime changes and they are all important because one is related to volatility one is related to a shift uh, towards emerging markets uh, but the first one which is uh, most important is the shift from a, a deflationary regime to an inflationary regime and this has been many months in the making and so one of the reasons when the market sold off i think post the modi election the mid caps crashed into uh, september they got the market got really oversold on multiple indicators and sentiment was very negative and so that's the first time i actually thought about whether the reflation trade uh, really starts and uh, you did get for a quarter at least a weak dollar you got some uh, rising commodity prices and so on and the market moved up also on the back of the tax breaks that we got so that was the first sign that uh, we were actually getting the government to move on the side of you know expanding its fiscal uh, deficit to boost the economy so that gave me a sense that maybe if they if they were able to take that step they may be willing to do more in uh, 2020 probably not in 2019 because uh, that one step would have taken up most of the space they had on the budget for that year 
however uh, when it came close to the budget the market started to lose momentum and uh, you know the weekly momentum indicators gave a sell signal in the last week of january and so i said maybe you can get a short term correction but we'll still not reverse on the uh, broad market but eventually by the end of feb monthly indicators also crossed over and we had the sell signal for a larger sell off and that's what the uh, march long shot report at the beginning was all about looking for a potential sell off to 8500 and lower we got that and we've gotten a crash in most of the stocks and sectors which i was tracking over the last 3 to 4 years now the size of the sell off in stocks would mean that the nifty is already back to 5000 or lower if you see where the stocks are but the index itself managed to hold on to much higher and elevated levels and that's the important takeaway uh, to everyone who's been you know coming on and asking me that you were saying 5000 or 6000 and why you now turning sounding bullish at 7000 and not giving an alternate bearish view that's the thing that's uh, you know being sent back to me that you know why don't you also show a bearish alternate you are only showing the bullish one and i did have the bearish alternate on even for this bounce back rally i said it can be abc and go to 61% because that's what typically all bear market rallies do but the first sign that something could be different uh, came from the us indices themselves that went past that mark initially the nasdaq did it and then you saw the snp uh, do it and so they all went past 61% uh, but they are pulling back a bit now and so you want to watch whether this pullback is really a breakdown uh, or uh, is it the you know resumption of a bear market just because you have poor economic activity which is come on the back of only exogenous events uh, but what has changed and what was in the process of changing even last year and why i uh, even uh, last year uh, uh, you know was a little slow on turning uh, to the uh, bear side is that for the first time and unlike the last time when you had uh, the dollar bear market which was 2002 to 2008 at that time uh, when the 2001 bear market happened all you had was monetary policy right so you cut interest rates aggressively post the tech bubble bust and uh, even in india we cut rates you know housing loans on free floating rates came down to 8 to 7.5% for the first time fixed rate to close to 8% and then after that activity picked up car loans picked up and uh, suddenly everything was rosy across emerging markets but part of it was also a 7 to 8 year bear market in the dollar now what you had this time round is i think uh, the dollar started its bear market in 2017 Uh, but uh, the 2018 and 19 pullback was so sharp that you almost got a double top almost you know looking like that you know the dollar bull run was back and it might break past the highs that we actually made in 2017 but that did not happen we came very close to it uh, in this crisis uh, on, in the month of march of 2020 but the fed stepped in and made sure that we did not break out on the dollar and so that's the big uh, important part and what you have now is the dollar not only starting to roll over we have the first signs of that and you want to watch the next 2 3 days because the dollar is trying to do a bounce back and if it just ends up being a mega bounce back and sells off again it'll be the first clearest sign i think that you've made at least uh, a lower you've made the first lower top lower bottom uh, although you have one earlier but you know some people still try to mark the fall in the dollar index as abc but if you get one more lower 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 high and lower low uh, that will put many of those wave counts off guard and uh, go in favor of the dollar bear so if that once that once we get back on track on the uh, dollar bear market the next thing will be that you know do we also get uh, what we got in 2001 to which is a lower interest rate so that's already happening we're getting monetary action but because monetary action uh, stopped working sometime uh, in the last 1 to 2 years because you saw economic growth slowing down across uh, asia and europe during that period even though 
uh, you had monetary stimulus of various kinds uh, prior to that period that uh, room was being created for people to for countries uh, rather governments to start pushing on the fiscal side now there was an unwillingness in some places if you read reports germany wanted it, i mean didn't want to, want to really overspend and so there were a lot of discussions and debates happening uh, and i think the coronavirus pandemic has uh, you know created that uh, psychologically more than anything else for governments to step in and take action so that's i think the big change even though uh, i think india is in that sense a little behind the curve because most countries have announced some kind of spending over and above the monetary action uh, in india we've we've done a bit i think uh, the latest estimates i've read is 2 3% of gdp probably and not the 10% because most of that came from loans but i'm also not ruling out that yeah, even though we are a little lagging behind once we open up the economy and if there is reason for the government to take action they probably will so they may have kept some more room to do things uh, based on what data they actually get after the economy opens up and so if they need to take action they might and so you might get that additional stimulus which actually is not really being priced in uh, by the market especially in the financials the rest of the market is actually probably thinking a bit on those lines if you see the size of reversal that you have got because if you are only looking at weak growth then probably wouldn't have had this stronger rally which is almost forward looking all the way one year down the line so it's not really thinking about because in one sell off of 40% i think the market priced in most of the degrowth and so it's not the degrowth that the market is trying to price in through this rally it's trying to price in what happens afterwards and as data keeps coming in that you know from region to region you actually seeing a slow down in uh, what you call as the uh, death rate or the fatality rate per uh, million people or thousands of people uh, compared to new cases that are coming up then it looks like uh, the pressure is actually easing so what is being called a second wave is just a wave of new cases being reported but actually you're not seeing it in you know fatalities and so that is peaking out and it's peaking out region wise so if, uh, so there was a chart of even the us data which i actually posted which shows that region wise many regions are seeing a decline are seeing decline rates uh, from the pandemic and there are other regions which are spiking so it's just shifting from place to place and the same may be even true i was told today in case of india or even in mumbai from region to region there are places where it's cooling off and there are places where it's spiking just based on how it's spreading so as long as you're getting that cooling off i think that's one thing that uh, will get taken positively the second will be that you are actually opening up and trying to get back to normal and third expecting that probably if things don't don't show complete reversal in terms of performance at the economic level that the government can still step in and do more so i think all of that are things to think about because this is the first time like i said that it's a combination of monetary and fiscal action that every government is taking to get the uh, financial markets actually moving and that was something i thought would have started last year but it got intervened by the pandemic and the pandemic's given them a reason to be able to push those policies through because otherwise it might have been difficult to get it through parliament that you have to do additional spending now almost there's consensus among economists and parliamentarians that more needs to be done so that's made probably things a little easier so what are the uh, risks then in the short term so one of the funny things which happened and probably the reason why you got this big two day correction also i just ran a relative strength analysis uh, two days ago on a 10 day period just to see which are the best outperforming stocks uh, especially in the a group and what ended up showing in the top 10 names were a whole lot of junkier names now i don't know junkier may be a 
outsized name but what i mean mean by junky is the stocks that had fallen 90% in the on the back of bad news whether it was uh, selling from pledge shares or various other issues economic issues that were being faced these stocks were the best performing stocks suddenly on a 10 day period because they were going up circuit to circuit in some cases the circuit limits may still be just 5% because they were imposed that way in the month of uh, march and uh, those uh, tight circuit levels are just allowing stocks to move very fast even on a small amount of buying and so uh, they ended up showing up as the best performers which was a little concerning because if if junk is just flying all over the place then uh, you have a troubled market but uh, simultaneously if i look at something like the broad breadth so i run a 20 day uh, and a 40 day average of the breadth indicators and that takes the market wide breadth which is all stocks put together we've seen what is what some people also call uh, as a you know breadth explosion or a, a breadth breakout and you usually get that uh, at the start of uh, or rather when markets turn around from a major uh, bear hug or at the start of a major trend simply because when things are so beaten down in the initial wave of value buying you end up almost everything ends up moving on the way up what might happen subsequently is that some of the junk will get left behind so this is where you need to really be careful if you are trading in junk and you think that you know this 10 rupee or 20 rupee stock which had been beaten down is going to go to the moon it may look like it's doing that today uh, but you really need to have an opinion on that stock or the sector for really good reasons that it will actually continue to give that kind of performance because otherwise those might become the odd guys that eventually lose momentum at the same time that doesn't mean that there isn't value out there because there are a lot of stocks that have been beaten down to below far below book value out say and to high dividend yield levels including some psu stocks that pay a lot of dividend and those were the attractive zones that i think are now getting uh, bought into so that's how you look at the whole scenario so it's not just that there's a rally in junk i think everything else has rallied reliance is of course been the top of the list biggest performer performer and adder to the momentum in the market and likely to continue so because everything that they've done looks like now having changed the longer term risk profile of the company as a whole and if you get lower interest rates with monetary action then that helps valuations of you know uh, of the market in general because everything gets revalued based on the fundamental models which have interest rates as one of the functionalities in there so those are the big changes that are going to be happening so uh, one of the best ways that you could actually keep your head above the water over this uh, entire period and for everyone who's asking me that you know fine all this is good but what if something still goes wrong and below what level would you really change your view rather than a level because i could say 9800 and then that could break or it could go to 96 and then still come back and so there could be one or two different alternates you could come up with uh, though on an immediate basis i still feel you probably not sell off that uh, that deep but if something happens there may be alternate counts you can fit in and they might still be bullish Uh, so where do you really get bearish i think uh, the whole thing will then come down to just the dollar because that's the center of the entire discussion when you talk about uh, reflation and I, i mentioned it twice now in this podcast right at the beginning uh, the dollar bear market thesis that the only reason you would really expect a secondary crash and where it will show up in a big way if there is a problem in the system that can cause further defaults and other risks and a second round of recession is directly it will affect the dollar right so the dollar is where you look because if the dollar is going to break out on the upside and go past uh, and i'm talking of the dollar index so if it's going to go past the 104 high that it made in 2017 or 103 high which is almost a double top that it made this year in march only then i think uh, the bullish dollar thesis comes into play and only then i think uh, the whole 
uh, idea that what you have seen in terms of commodity prices starting to bounce back, oil has done its worst case. Anybody who had a target of oil of $10, it's been achieved. And now that it's been achieved to still have a view that, oh, it's going to go back to $10 appears completely, you know, odd to me because uh, once it's done, it's done. So it had to happen for whatever reason it happened. I mean, you can keep arguing that, no, 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 there'll be further deflation and therefore it should go back there. There's too much debt. It cannot rise and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I've also heard enough now good reasons why it can actually go up over the next six months. And you really need to get your head in there to understand what is happening on the you know demand supply side, all the cuts in production that have actually happened. And before they get uh, put back in place, uh, there will actually be a reduction in inventories, completely the opposite of what was happening in the month of April, where the oversupply caused overfilling of a lot of the tankers. So... This is how the commodity cycle always works. It goes into excess on both sides. And uh, once it starts going the other way, everything shifts the other way. And that's what you need to be aware of that if you are looking at a weak dollar environment, you're also looking at, you know, commodity prices pulling back. You're looking at the emerging markets starting to do better. And that should reflect somewhere on your currency as well. So for a long time, the USD INR has actually been one of the, I don't know what I should say, because when... All the currencies were weakening in March. The INR actually took its own time to start weakening from 72 to you know 75. And now that it has done that and the whole world of currencies has strengthened because if you look at the Brazilian real, it would be up 15% from the all-time low. The South African rand would be some 10, 11% and so on. So there are a lot of currencies, especially except for maybe the closest would be Korean won, which is probably 4-5% uh, down, I mean up from uh, the lows that it made. But the INR has barely moved. It's like 1-1.5%. You know, So it's in that range. And so it has been one of the first, it didn't fall too much in the crisis. And now it's not rising too much even as markets are recovering. So it's not giving us a signal. And in fact, it moved late. So it moved from 72 to 75 much later than the rest. And I feel maybe the same may happen here also that everything's strengthening. And probably INR strengthens the last. And we got the first sign of that on Monday when the markets actually hit uh, 10,550. The INR actually sold off and broke and closed below both the 20 and 40 day averages. And it's still trading below that. So even though the markets corrected the last two days, the INR has really not gone back up again. Uh, the USD INR stayed below those averages. And so I sense that it's still in a strengthening mode. So again, if I was instead of dollar index, I start looking at USD INR as a signal then unless it really goes back above those averages, signals another buy on the momentum indicators, I would think that the USDNR is heading down, which is again a signal that you can take as uh, bullish for equity. So there are a couple of different things that I would keep watching in the near term. And uh, only if these factors change, if the underlying factors, even interest rates, for example, in India, bond deals are continuing to go down. And unless you see that bond deals start going up and, they, and the trend has changed at a uh, macro level, uh, I don't think there's a reason to believe that, uh, you know, uh, that markets, financial markets in general and equity in particular are in major trouble. There could be short term corrections, there could be medium term corrections, uh, whether it's a few hundred points or whether it's just back to the 20 day average or 10 day average and then continues to run up. All that will happen. Uh, but what we have got is a higher low from 7500 to 8800, from 8800 to 9500. And as long as you keep making higher lows each time you pull back, the trend is broadly to be considered on the way up. 10550 is, of course, the most immediate hurdle that we would like to now get past. Selling pressure there was normal because everybody was watching it. And 61% uh, retracement does get respected. Uh, but the question is, uh, are we going to go past that? And 
the odds I would say are that we can and therefore I wouldn't jump to a conclusion that it's touched that and you really sell off from there. I would really want to wait for it to happen to take that call. And uh, last but not the least, and this is what people think, just like I mentioned in the beginning about junk stocks. The other issue which was which came up a lot prominently more than a week back and is still roaming about in some articles has been something called as the Robinhood trading or uh, you know retail investors piling in. Now, I really don't know whether the data is reliable because you, uh, how I would look at any data point is fine. There may be a lot of traders, there may be a lot of call buying and all that which also happened here in terms of put selling. So you had whenever the market goes up a lot like it did this week, then a lot of puts get sold by writers. And so uh, that causes the market to uh, shoot up. So by almost by Monday or Tuesday of this week, you had almost 40,000 crore, 37,000 to be exact crores worth of net put open interest net of the calls, which is put more than calls. And that's a pretty sizable quantity. Usually we've seen that at the end of strong uh, rallies. And so we reached that level. So similarly, in, in the US, we saw a lot of the call buying activity being noted as, you know, reasons why markets would correct and you got a correction. But is that the end of the road? Is retail participation really high should be measured as volumes as a percentage of total market volume? And then suddenly it'll not look like, you know, you're talking about 2% or 3% of the volume of the market and trying to project what the whole market is doing. And then it would probably not make that much sense. So I think that needs to be put in perspective. And uh, more important than that, let's just look at what the other data as far as traders are concerned actually shows. So you'd think that people are over bullish. That's why they're being calls. How about looking at the CFTC data? Okay, so I think in my, uh, no, not in my Big Bang uh, Theory note, but I was actually writing a separate note. Maybe it'll be part of my long short report as well that US traders as far, uh, and I think on Twitter, I probably retweet, retweeted the data uh, which somebody had uh, published. And you can check it out. The latest data point is also there on investing.com. Uh, almost, uh, and it's reported weekly. So the COT data gets reported once a week uh, across futures, commodities, currencies. And the S&P futures had a short position of over 3 lakh contracts. Now, the last time you'd come close to this level was at the 2016 lows, which was, you know, 2005, late 2015. And then 16, it started to recover. And then you had year end 2016, you had the Trump election. And then after that, markets kept on going once he won. So that low point before all that happened is where you had almost 280,000 contracts short and uh, that led to a multi-month advance. Similarly, if you go all the way back to the last time you had a number this big, more than 300,000 contracts was only in 2011. That's when you had the Greek crisis, the European crisis and uh, also the downgrade of the US. So US sovereign debt had been downgraded by its own rating agency. And uh, when they, when all that happened, you had uh, more than uh, you know, almost, I don't know the exact number, somewhere close to 330,000 or so contracts short maybe on the, you know, futures exchange. So traders, essentially, these are speculators, uh, or you can call it managed money, which includes most of the hedge funds and so on. Commercials on the other side of the trade always. Very similar to the data we release here, which is by NSE futures and, you know, by FIIs and clients. And so similarly, when you look at the US, now you have this extreme short position still being built as of last week, even after the market, the US market has actually rallied 30 to 40% from the bottom. So that's where it gets interesting. So if you say, well, retail is buying, they've gone all out bullish and markets are going to crash. That might be a short term signal of retail overbuying resulting in a correction because they may not be the entire market. But here you have a futures market and the entire positioning in the futures market is on the short side. 
which on the last two occasions resulted in multi-month rallies. So that's the big takeaway. And uh, I used a similar uh, thing uh, for the FIA short position in March and April, which I kept saying they were short. Now they are no more short. So as of yesterday, only 1700 contracts short. That also after the correction. So prior to the correction, they actually gone long up to uh, 17,000 contracts. So what do you want to really watch is whether they go short again, because at the start of the year, uh, prior to the budget, they'd actually given up their longs and gone short. Usually, FI positions go long to short along with the market moving up and down. They're mostly directional. Uh, but that was one occasion prior to the budget where they actually went short ahead of uh, the event. And then they kept adding as it kept going down. And by the month of March, it was almost 176,000 contracts short. So that has now come back to zero. So there's actually no short position. So as far as India is concerned, positioning is neutral. And uh, what you want to see is if the market does rally from here, do they actually start going long? Do they find enough reasons to be bullish on index futures in India again? Uh, that will be, I think, the interesting thing to watch. If not, then, of course, it would be a sign that, uh, you know, you're losing momentum. They start shorting again, then it would be a sign that the market's weakening and they might typically do it with the falling market. So it's a data point you can watch. But uh, in India, at least we've gone neutral. But the US market data is not showing that. It's showing that people are broadly still very, very bearish. Uh, the extreme short position indicates that even after a correction, you might continue to see uh, rallies on the back of uh, short covering. So I think that's the thing to watch out for. And if that happens along with a falling dollar, then, then everything else plays in because when you have a falling dollar, you also have the shift from developed markets towards emerging markets that starts to play out. So that's all I'll leave you with the key support at 11,200 to watch for the next two days. If that holds all is well and we don't get a deeper correction at this level. At the same time, 10,550, the major hurdle that you'd want to get past once you do, then all the structures that we've been seeing over the last couple of months go into wave extensions and will start pointing to much higher levels, probably above the 11,000 mark. So that's going to be the big picture. I'm going to write on the charts and wave counts and detailed alternates more in the long shot report over the next two days as this, this scenario continues to confirm. Hopefully it should be out by the weekend. And then we're also looking at following that up uh, like we did last time with a webinar. So the live webinar session should be probably next weekend is what we would think of scheduling it once the report is out. So watch out once the report is out, we'll schedule a similar online live event on the following Sunday to interact with everyone who wants to understand where we see the markets going and why. So that's all in this update from me for this week. Thank you. Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.